and I can tell you with extreme degree of certainty that my hamstrings are not at all tight, my quads are not aching at all, and my hip flexors definitely do not feel like they're about to tear. I feel like you're lying. <laughs> I'm super interested. This yeah. sounds like it'll be fun. Also because I'm not doing it and it's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to be riding your bike next to me whispering things in uh, Italian to keep me going. You can't speak Italian. That doesn't... That doesn't <laughs> I don't even speak Italian right now. Well, how, long, how long do you think it'll actually... Oh, those, those weight loss things. Rapid Detox X35. It, basically, it's laxatives. That's a lot. A lot of this stuff. If you actually like these products, these pills, and these drinks, and that, it's it's laxatives. Ciao. Why? Ciao. Why? Italian. Yeah, but uh, I haven't even started learning it yet. But soon. But soon. It's soon. In, it's in the schedule for this week. Good. Good. Welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of The Big Flex. Hi, guys. How are we? How are all the flexes doing out there? Still, still no. Still don't like it. I'm sorry, I couldn't. Is it? We're doing it. We're doing what it. issues are we flexing on today, Nevin? New sign. I know. It looks great. It looks great. Uh, it looks great. I unfortunately paid for this bad boy before I realized I had to close the gym down. So, little... Uh, Tip trick for everyone out there when making investments and purchases is just pay the deposit. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. But it looks great and I'm pumped that it we have it. Anyhow. So good. It looks really good. I really like it. It's got a little bit of 3Dness, hopefully the camera picks up to it. You but went uh, all out with that sign. It that's looks pretty good. Anyhow, enough of the sign. It looks pretty good. So I did my first I did my first run earlier this week. How did yesterday? It, how did it how did it go? I can tell you I can tell you how it went, Adrian. <laughs> Is that I did, I did just a three k run, and I held it all sub marathon pace that I want to hold. What's sub marathon pace for three k? Well, this is we're going to talk about this a little bit as well. Okay, okay. Um, and I can tell you with extreme degree of certainty that my hamstrings are not at all tight, my quads are not aching at all, and my hip flexors definitely do not feel like they're about to tear. I feel like you're lying. <laughs> nope, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> All right, ego aside though, how are you actually feeling? Yeah, a little sore, but not too bad actually. Not, not as bad as what I thought it would be. First run, um, and actually is quite funny because I recorded it all with my watch and, and the heart rate monitor. And, yeah. and I used to have a watch ages ago that did this sort of thing um, and upload all to the Garmin website. Yeah. So I was back on there checking and... <laughs> I just did not used to run a lot. So the, the furthest I've ever run was I did do a 12K city to surf back in 2005, okay? But that's off the back of some pretty high-level rowing and cross-country training to be fit for rowing. So I, I, was, I was a good runner a little bit. So I did a reasonable 12K run then, and then uh, flash forward um, 10 years, from, this, from that point, with minimal running in between, I did a, a 9K run as a part of a pre-season like, group bonding experience. Thanks very much for that, Kian. Uh, where we ran the bridges at, at, uh, at the river. So you start on the South Foreshore, and you run like over the Narrows, past Elizabeth Key, over the Causeway, back to the South Foreshore. It's about 9, 9.5Ks, I think. And apart from those two runs, I've done nothing more than like 2 kilometers at, at a pub. So I did 3 
felt fine. Actually, the legs and lungs both felt all right. It was, uh, they just felt a little, a little slow. Um, I did do heavy squats the morning before I ran, which probably wasn't the best idea. Genius. But such a good idea. I've got to get my, I've got to get my weights in too. <laughs> I got to get the weights in too. Well, that's, that's the other part of my, uh, goal, which I didn't dive into too much on the marathon, um, you know, I'm uh, running a marathon podcast with Mike Laurie, who helped me plan everything out. Um, but I don't intend to just shrink away and run and not be able to lift anymore. My intention is to still have some pretty reasonable lifts. So I want to have a big day lift and a big squat at least when I finish this run as well. So what was it that you said? You said that you wanted to have, was it double bodyweight squat? You, you, you I said that originally, but I spatted off some numbers. Yeah. So I spatted off some numbers and I think this is maybe a better way to look at it is that if I think about what my goal weight will probably end up being when I'm doing the marathon, I'm thinking mid to high 80s. Yeah. So it's about a 20 kilo loss, 18-ish mm-hmm. kilos. So if I'm, let's just throw a number out there, you know, 90 kilos. Yep. Um, I definitely can squat 180. And I'm sure even at that weight, I'll easily be able to squat uh, 180, maybe probably over 200. So... Um, kilograms, not pounds, for yeah. those people listening in the US. Kilograms. So um, I was thinking, well, two would be probably too easy. So maybe my goal should be a two and a half times body weight squat. Well, I mean, first, <clears throat> before you set those goals, I guess first you would have to check what currently competing marathon athletes are actually doing for their strength conditioning and then see if that's reasonable or not. Like, I don't, I don't think that currently competing marathon Runners are squatting double body weight. No, I and guarantee that, hardly any of them will be, will be squatting double body weight. based on almost nothing, but yeah. uh, just general experience with how hard it is to squat double body weight. Uh, it's, uh, I don't think it's as important to squat that heavy. It's more just maintenance and conditioning generally to make them... Right. Like performance enhancement doesn't necessarily mean you have to push the envelope, which I think that is for, for normal people, not people going from powerlifting to marathon running you know but that's why i want to do it so i want to i want to have a good a good squat now maybe this should be a side challenge to any endurance athletes out there that have really good squats and deadlifts let me know what you can do and maybe we'll we'll battle it out well that'd be that'd be interesting because i i think i would like to see what the limit is what's too much if if you squat more than if you squat twice your body weight is that beneficial or is it too much and it's going to tire you out maybe your central nervous system isn't getting enough rest so you can't put in the work and do the endurance how it's actually going to affect the sport like on the parabola of effectiveness where does that become too much that would be interesting to see could be interesting yeah i um well i i had a good a good sort of uh Zoom meeting with Mike Laurie, who is a professional triathlete that I was talking about, yeah. and I've uploaded that video already, so you can go back and check it out. I'll even put it. Oh, this is the first time I'm going to use that little little button in the top of the video that you can click, and it will take you to a different video. Hey, yes. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so we basically went over how to structure a marathon, <clears throat> and I'm going to uh, I'm going to be doing some more regular posts about that. Um, but it's really similar to a gym program where you periodize. So basically, if we're breaking it down to a four-week block, a four-week macro cycle, um, we're going to be going, or mesocycle, we're going to be going a little bit more intensity and and volume for the first three weeks, and we drop it right back on week four to let the body recover. So I'm basically going to run my gym sessions in sync with that same periodized plan. So I'm going to um, increase my my intensity over the next three weeks, and as as you know, most gym sessions, the the volume will, will decrease as that intensity and, and the weights that you're lifting go up. Um, and then week four, I'll recover. So I'll still train um, running and gym, but I'll just, I'll back those numbers down a little bit. So then how does that work? 
with the way that you're going to be running because obviously the way that you measure a marathon is by how much you can run so you're increasing the volume that you run each week as well so then as you go heavier and decrease the volume of your weight training are you going to slowly increase the the volume of your running as well or are you going to offset it in a different way maybe in the week that you have off from weight training or that's a deload week you're going to increase the volume there are you going to try and offset it or how are you going to no try and make no that so work? i'm going to i'm going to keep it um in sync so i'm going to run basically three weeks of increasing intensity for running and uh and weights and then the fourth week is is the deload week for both yeah okay. for both and i think um that will that will work but it, it will be interesting and it's going to be something that i can monitor yeah. going forward hey my legs are just too tired to get these runs in basically I'm only doing two lower body sessions, one squat based, one deadlift based, yep. and then two upper body sessions, mm-hmm. right? So the upper body sessions, I feel like won't have that big an impact on the on the running. And how many days are you doing running? Running, it does change week to week, mm-hmm. but usually three. Okay. Usually three runs, two short and one long. Yeah. Right? So the long run is gonna definitely happen on either a no gym day or an upper body gym day. Yeah. Um, whereas the short runs, like I did a short run and squats on the Monday just to get my Monday started well mm-hmm. and to make sure that I was going to get through everything. Um, and, it, and again, it actually it felt fine. Like the legs were a little tired, but my pace felt fine. Um, my lungs were burning a bit, but that's to be expected for not doing any fitness for the last so many years. I'm interested. I'm just interested to see how the effect, like, you know, I think a lot of other people maybe don't know, but when you squat heavy, deadlift heavy, when you lift heavy, it's really taxing on your central nervous system and it takes a lot to recover. And if you do too much, and I know personally from trying to do six different training styles in a week, trying to do too much and having a periodized heavy weight training program, you just, your performance decreases. You're, the other skills you just can't, you don't have the energy, you don't have the gas, sometimes it's too much. It'll be interesting to see if it's, hurtful or helpful you're not wrong it, it, you can do too much and this is exactly what Mike was talking about as well you don't want to burn out you mm. want to make sure you're doing everything well and, and I'm taking it seriously because mm. I've put it out there to the world now Yeah. Um, and people are going to give me a hard time if I get a terrible time or if I pull out or if I you know get it so I'm taking everything seriously so basically it's four gym sessions a week yeah. periodized I'm not just gone crazy it's just general strength at the minute so yeah. the first four week is a general strength block mm-hmm. so I'm working between between threes and sixes for my main lifts, um, you know, working downs, you know, sixes, fives, yeah, yeah. fours, threes. Um, and then for my secondary lifts, I'm just working around the six to eights. So then is there, a, is, there a, is there a goal with your weight training as well? Are you trying to see how heavy you can squat and deadlift while you're still running? Or are you going to try and just hit, let's say, 2.5 and 2.5 body weight for each lift and then leave it there? Or are you going to see how your performance goes with the marathon running and with the weights and keep ramping it up? Or are you just going to like have a cap? Or just test it out. Oh no, there's no cap. I'll be going for one RMs after either the probably make give me like a couple of days after the marathon to recover. Yeah. But I'll be going yeah. for one RMs uh, within a week of the marathon. And uh, and yeah, I'm not gonna just cap it at, at two or two and a half just times body weight. No, I'm gonna see what I can do. I like it. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm super interested. This yeah. sounds like it'll be fun. Also because I'm not doing it and it's gonna be awful. <laughs> yeah. But you're gonna be riding your bike next to me whispering things in uh, Italian to keep me going. You can't speak Italian. That doesn't that <laughs> I don't even speak Italian right now. Well how long how long do you think it'll actually how long do you think it'll take you? How long do I have to learn Italian? Oh, you have 12 weeks. Hey, what's, the, what's, the, what's the running a marathon episode one? I've already posted it. It's going to take 12-week plan. 12 weeks. I've got three months to train. So this is, I'll just run over with everyone that didn't watch that one. I've got three months to train, so 12 weeks. Um, and the time that I'm aiming for is the average of the 
city to surf, which is four hours and 15 okay. minutes or less. Okay? So that's, that's the goal. And, and what Mike said was, is that, is that it's kind of hard to say because the city to surf is actually a tough track. There's a lot of hills in it. Um, so four hours and 15 might be a four hour marathon on flat ground. Now I'm not running the actual city to surf marathon route because I'm not having streets closed for me and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just gonna run it down the coast pathway, the dual pathway, because you can easily get 40 Ks in there, you know, with minimal crossing of streets and everything okay, like yeah. that. Um, so mine's gonna be a little flatter for sure, um, full disclosure. But uh, he also said that Perth is a pretty fit population and professionals do fly in for that event. So he goes 4.15 or less is definitely an acceptable time. He goes, you go some places, four and a half would be an acceptable time. So I guess my goal could, is four hours and 15 minutes or less in 12 weeks time. I guess you could find and compare the tracks. You, you were talking about the Garmin watch before. A lot of people map out their own runs and upload it to apps and people online can race each other competitively. You could probably find someone who's done that same run a bunch of people who've done the same track that you're going to do and then just compare that to the city to surf and work out some sort of average sure it, it, it wouldn't be too hard to do that yeah i'm sure you yeah. could do something like that yeah. so that's all, all to come but like i said i'm taking it really seriously so i've got my, my gym sorted i've got my running day sorted and my plan which has been signed off on by mike there's going to be some cross training um in there as well just on the air bike and the rower just to get the cardio endurance up mm-hmm. that's not running um my diet is now got to be perfect because I'm going to be dropping weight. Mm-hmm. So I'm on a small, well, I'm on a deficit because I'm going to be working out more than what I'm eating. But it's really healthy foods. I'm getting the right amounts of foods in. With how much more you're going to be training, though, would you even need to work at a deficit to lose weight? Well, yeah, I to would, lose weight by definition, you have to be in a deficit. But I would imagine that you'd be in a deficit because of how much you're running on top of the, the normal weight training. That yeah, no, no, I'm actually not cutting calories. I've yeah. just figured out with the extra running, with I will be running. at a deficit. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm not t- cutting calories. It's, it was more so making sure that I have enough carbohydrates to get through all the exercise, yeah. um, making sure I'm getting enough protein that I'm not going to be wasting away, and then filling in the rest from fats. So they're my, they're my three things. Get enough protein so you don't waste yeah. away. Make sure you have enough carbs so you have energy because I'm not doing a ketogenic diet where it's no carbs. Yeah. Um, and then fill the rest in from fats. And I'm just making sure I'm getting good whole foods, nutritious, high nutrient dense foods. So I'm really excited to see how it goes. But um, I'm also making sure I get enough sleep in. I'm going to bed early yeah, that's a big and one. get my recovery in. So it's, it should be an interesting uh, three, three months. That's an interesting point, actually. I think that's really important as well for, for a lot of people listening who don't know much about nutrition, that one of your goals is to lose weight and the way that you're going to do it is to work at a calorie deficit. But I don't think a lot of people realize the different ways that you can do that. So working at a calorie deficit doesn't always mean eating less or eating different foods. Just like you said, you calculated roughly how much extra you're going to be training, how much extra cal- calories you're going to be using. And instead of just cutting food out of your diet willy-nilly trying to work at a deficit the extra training is what's worked it's a very calculated way of of trying to lose weight and work that in with a performance goal a lot of people i don't i think have trouble with that i know i know a few people who who just think eating less means losing weight and that doesn't always it doesn't and it can actually be quite detrimental to you well listen we can throw out a really uh basic explanation about how weight loss works and there's actually really great mini-series on YouTube by um, Lane Norton, BioLane, on his mm-hmm. on his page, which I think is a five or six-part series, and it breaks down weight loss, and he's got a PhD in nutrition, and he was, a, I think, mm-hmm. a world record powerlifter, he does bodybuilding, he's just on, on point about everything. Um, so so check that out too, BioLane's his channel, but he, um, it's, it's a really simple, and I'm sure nutritionists all around the world are going to chastise me for my very elementary 
explanation of it. But basically, there's a few things that contribute to how many calories you're burning in a day. You have your basal metabolic rate, yep. which is just basically how many calories you need to survive. So if you were to just lie in bed all day not doing anything, you still need a certain number of calories to function, and that's your basal metabolic rate. Then you've got your, uh, your calories that you burn from... Uh, everyday things like just walking around doing your chores, mm -hmm. okay? That's non-exercise, but still moving around. Yep. Then you have your exercise allowance. So basically, if you're going for a run or doing a gym session, it's the calories that you burn in that session. Also, it raises up your core temperature. You're gonna burn a higher rate of calories that slowly decreases over the next few hours. So you have that metabolic effect from exercise. And then you have the thermic effect of food, which is basically um, when you digest food, it takes a certain amount of calories to break that food down. Um, and protein, for an example, I believe, it, it breaks down roughly 30% of its calories used to break it down, whereas carbohydrates is only 8%-ish. So you're gonna, if you have a high protein intake, you're gonna burn more calories just by eating more protein than you would. So, so what you're saying is if I eat potatoes all day long, I'm gonna burn less calories than if I just eat a steak. Correct. Yeah, cool. Yep. 100%. So, it, but people people find that hard to, be, to believe, right? And when I first was looking, it's like, oh, I've read these studies where people got fed um, the same number of calories, but one was high fat and one was high protein, yeah, and the protein group lost. So it's not a calorie in, a calorie out. Mm. Um, but it is a calorie in, calorie out. It's just because you burn more calories breaking down protein, so then technically you have more calories out, those people lose more weight. Yeah. Pretty there's, simple. There's lots of really interesting stuff out there. And there's, there's actually, there's lots of information out there as well. And I almost don't want to say anything just because I can be right about one thing and right in one certain specific niche and then wrong in six others. And it's it's hard. All I know is that fat does facilitate a lot of really important things in your body as well. So Look, fat is important. 100%. People saying that I'm going to lose weight by cutting fat out of my diet. It's, it's not right. I, 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 I actually, that's really interesting. I'll see if I can, maybe we can get those pie charts that I made. I made a couple of pie charts on my phone with an app. Pie charts are fun. Uh, one was the World Health Organization's recommended daily intake for the average person. And this is, I think the average person is considered to be sedentary. Um, general population between, it's like 20 and 45, it's really, really broad. Uh, but the percentages that they had there versus the percentages of my diet while I was doing carnivore, it was vastly different. I think I had 2% carbs, over 70% fats, and the rest was... Uh, was protein. I had mostly fat in my diet just because of the fatty cuts of meat that I was having and I was only having meat and I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life. I'm leaner than I've ever been. I'm stronger than I've, I've everything that I've ever been in my whole life and compared to the variation compared to the World Health Organization's recommended healthy lifestyle diet split, I, I mean, it's like I come from a different planet. And I just, I'm, the more I learn about nutrition, the less I know about nutrition. I don't understand how it makes sense. I'm, I feel great and I, it doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. I'm very confused. I don't know anything about nutrition anymore. It's flipped, this whole carnival thing has flipped my understanding of nutrition completely on its head. We all know how reliable the World Health Organization is saying that uh, we don't need to worry about closing borders and China's doing a great job containing um, this coronavirus. One thing I do agree about is that they technically classified one of the biggest threats to our health as a, as a planet is the anti-vaxxers. The anti-vaxxers? Yeah, <laughs> we can all get on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see like what the kind of the the standard is and then what I was doing and how vastly different it was and if you, if you eat like that, if you use their split, uh, then it, it's like generally healthy. 
but the variations that you can have and still be very healthy, it's, it's huge. So it's, it's yeah, there's lots yeah, of, so I, would I would just say, <laughs> read as much as you can, but it's, it's, there's a lot of information out there. It's hard to know what's what. And I wanna say, I wanna say this, I wanna say do your own research. And when I say do your own, own research, Google Scholar is a good place to get your information from. Don't get your information. Not Google Google. Google, not Google Google. Google Scholar, actual articles, and anyone can release an article. So peer-reviewed studies are the best are the best place to look because that's that's as, as accurate of an information set as you can get. Uh, what do you think about nutrition after doing the carnival thing as well? You did do a month. I did um, one month. Yeah. We we will do a separate podcast, I think, on the carnival thing with a few other people or one other person. Or yeah. We haven't decided just yet. But just briefly, what do you think about the whole carnival thing? I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it is a form of a ketogenic diet, which I've done before when I finished playing rugby. I went on the high fats, uh, um, no carb, um, to drop a bunch of weight. And again, um, it still comes down to being uh, a derivative of calories in versus calories out. Mm. Um, you just are more satiated when you eat high protein and high fatty foods. And if you eat carbohydrates, you just keep eating them. Mm. So, um, but I enjoyed it. Um, there was definitely some close calls with the bathroom early on. It was dangerous. <laughs> I, especially on squat day, was dangerous, but yeah. got through it all unscathed. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I felt good. Um, and then the main reason that I was doing it was uh, to do it in solidarity with Dad, um, who had had some um, autoimmune responses, uh, negative responses, and then that seemed to help clear that up a lot. Yeah. So but that's actually in a different podcast I've done with him, Chasing World Records series, which is going to get released soon. I'm excited about that. Your yeah. dad is a very interesting man. He is yeah. an interesting character. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, nutrition is great. But you got to take it all with a pinch of salt, guys, because for every article that says one thing, you can probably find something that says a different or a contradicting um, statement. Uh, so just use your common sense. Um, try to find people that are respected in their field of nutrition um, to, to get advice from, um, like Lane Norton. He's a smart guy, and I get a lot of my uh, a lot of my information from from his side. Yeah. yeah, if you want reliable information, you it should be peer-reviewed. Anyone can release a study. And that's one thing I think is, uh, is really important. Because a lot of, a lot of news, uh, newscasters do that, where they say, a recent study has, and it's... It's not the recent studies. Uh, recent studies. Crazy. They're, they're not founded in anything. A lot of them, a lot of the time, are taken away afterwards and they backtrack. And it's, yeah, peer reviewed studies. That's where you can get reliable information. The problem with, um, the problem with what you see on TV, ah, oh, cr- new superfood sh- drops weight like crazy. And, yeah. and, but it's all, it's all a scam. <laughs> all <laughs> a scam. It's snake oil. It's, it's all of it. Basically, a lot of the time is they'll take a very small bit of information from a study, which the study's consensus might actually be different to what they're presenting to you, but they'll take a little, a little sentence. Yeah, sentence, and then they'll, they'll frame that as in, this is, this is the, the next big thing. And it's very... Um, it's essentially taking something, that's taking something out of context. So if I, if I say something uh, relating to a group of people, and maybe it's relating to you, and I, I end up uh, explaining myself saying, this Nevin is a nice guy, but... At some point in there, you take a very specific sentence out of that, and it sounds like I'm a racist and I hate you. It's, it's essentially just taking something completely out of context and taking a small piece of information and then say that that small piece of information is what the study presents, or it's not. And this is why you have to be very skeptical when you see, um, when you see these sort of news articles or clippings. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very interesting uh, phenomenon called 
The Gelman am, uh, amnesia effect. The what? Sorry. The Gelman amnesia effect. Gelman amnesia effect. I'm gonna drop some 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 Explain yourself, facts sir. on you here. So basically, um, you and I are both relatively well versed in strength training, correct? I like to think so. Yep. Yes. So if we are watching a news program, a news channel, mm -hmm. and they're talking about strength training, mm -hmm. all right, and we're like, all right, let's see what they have to say, and they say something ridiculous mm -hmm. like. You need to do uh, three bodyweight squats only once, uh, one day a week, and uh, your 1RM will go through the roof. And we'll be like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Right? So we have, a, we have a good base of knowledge in a subject. And so when we see them reporting on that subject incorrectly, we know it's, full of, it's garbage. Mm -hmm. Right? But the very next, uh, the very next announcement on that same news channel might be about something that we don't know about. So it might be on uh, an engineering firm's mm -hmm. input on some bridge. And we have no, we don't have a background in engineering. We don't know about this firm. We don't know about this bridge. But we believe what they tell us because we don't have a background in it. That's the girl man amnesia effect. Mm -hmm. Really, we know that they talked full of rubbish on the segment before, mm -hmm. we should then assume that all their stuff potentially yeah. is full of rubbish. Okay. But people don't. And it's called the Gelman Amnesia Effect. Don't be a sucker, people. Mm. I think a good takeaway from this would be to, if you ever see a study has, or a recent study, or they should give a link to that study. If, if the information you're getting doesn't provide links and they don't provide the actual information that they're talking about, completely discount it. Um, and if they do, read it yourself. Read the entirety. Read it yourself. Uh, if you want to look at, at scientific articles, um, the abstract, if you don't know much of what you're reading, you can read the abstract. It's a basic uh, kind of condensed version of what it's about. So they tell you the results they got. Still not super accurate. You, you do best to just read through the whole thing um, and, and then figure out what it's actually about and make up your own well, mind. Well, this is the problem with just the abstract as well is, is that you're just taking their word for it and really you might go yeah. through how they came to that conclusion and be like, oh, this wasn't really the best designed experiment. And that's something as well that they, they drilled, us, drilled into us at uni. Don't just read the abstract. And it's easier if I just read the abstract that I can just put that in my references. But if you actually end up going through and reading all the journal, article, the journal articles, then you find that the, the methodology that they use has nothing to do with what you want or the information that you're looking for. Maybe that abstract says a specific result and then you actually read through the type of experiments, not even even related to the thing you're looking for and it's, it's a little bit different so you, you really need to read through the study it has how they did it, it has the specific results and then they even discuss their results and they compare it to other uh, other uh, similar things that they've uh, done or similar things in their industry so they have something to compare it to as well it's, it's more holistic if you actually read through the journal article the information that's released yourself then you can make up your mind as to if it's accurate or not which often it is not yeah often it's not yeah but you know that's that's probably the best advice is just to read their links in its entirety and you know if it's designed well it should make sense to laymen as well yeah get into the habit of, of trying to find the information that people are just pushing down your throat because a lot of the time it's not very reliable and it's a it's a it's a good way to try and lose as much oh, those those weight loss things rapid detox x35 basically it's laxatives that's a lot of, a lot of this stuff if you actually like these products these pills and these drinks and that it's it's laxatives it's, what do you think about all this stuff like i feel like you haven't sold your soul and you keep very true to your brand and you don't blow smoke up people's butts in terms of 
you just don't lie to them. You tell them the truth, and I try whether my they like it or not. What, what do you think about all of this Facebook and Instagram yeah. and social media marketing? Yeah, I think that unfortunately, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of clickbaity stuff, and I think that a it lot of the bigger, yeah, well, I think a lot of, firstly, a lot of people are trying to sell stuff. And then also a lot of the bigger uh, media companies, they, they need people, they need the clicks. So they just drop a clickbait title on, the article's got no substance to it, it's all rubbish or the product's no good. Um, but that's sort of what, what the world is at the moment. So you just gotta be smart and, and actually use some common sense and, and look into it thoroughly yourself. I think that, yeah, that can flow back into what we were saying before. Like look for the information, don't just take someone's word for it. If someone looks good without their shirt on, it doesn't mean that you should do what they do because they don't tell you that they've been using laxatives or something silly like that. A lot of people don't take their own medicine. So look into it and actually build up your own repertoire of information and learn how to research effectively, find accurate, real information. So much of it out there is just rubbish. Just rubbish. But talking about building a repertoire of information. Yeah. We are expanding uh, uh, yes. the YouTube channel's content. Yes. Yeah. So basically, uh, for those that have been watching along, we have a couple of different series. So we have the Strength Institute podcast. We have the Big Flex podcast. Uh, we've added the, the lockdown workout uh, uh, playlist. And now yeah. we're going to be adding a few other things. Um, not long videos, um, more sort of instructionals um, and tutorials. Uh, so, you know... With people being away from the gym, and I've been giving them more programs to do at their home, and sometimes you know different exercises, uh, and they're like, "Well, hey, what's what's this one?" Um, and so we are going to be building this database mm-hmm. of different exercises, strength training, mobility, um, and we're going to be, "Hey, if you don't know what a pendlay row is? Go to this video, and yeah. you can uh, watch us perform it and give you some variations and, and technique and pointers." So that's all coming out, which is pretty exciting. The idea is that we're going to try and put everything in there so a lot of the stuff from the programming that we give to our members and clients uh, a, a lot of new stuff just bits and pieces to kind of help everyone either put together their own workout do a workout that we've written out for them a program that we've written for them or just ideas tips and tricks and that sort of thing as well um so just keep an eye out for the new post um make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel because that really helps um, and if you press yes. the bell button you get the notifications when we do release the new posts as well uh, which is what we want you to see so hang tight keep working out join in subscribe and uh we'll be back soon and for all our members out there all of our clients that are still training at home watch those videos get onto the videos and comment tell us what you want um even for this podcast uh comment tell us what you want tell us what you want us to talk about tell us some things you want to do if you've got some ideas just just let us know lay it on us awesome yeah all right guys catch you next time cool see you later bye